1: I don't need to get to a place where I love my body and I'm obsessed with my body and obsessed with the way I look. It's not, that's not my goal. My goal is just to see my body as something that is, it's just my body and I'm more than my body. This is not who I am. And so I think realizing that I don't need to come to a, body, a place of body love, but just, body, just being at peace with myself and realizing that this is not who I am has been really, really important to me and my, I guess, my body positive journey.
2: Hey, love food listener, Julie Duffy Dillon here. I'm preparing season four of the Love Food podcast. And in the meantime, I'm rebroadcasting the PCOS and Food Peace podcast. Kimmy Singh and I interviewed people navigating their food peace journey while affected by a chronic condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome. Do you not experience this yet? Experience diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, or another condition and don't want to diet? Or are you feeling shame every time you leave the doctor's office or avoid them altogether because of the weight talk? Or are you looking for more body-liberating resources? Well, then we made this podcast just for you. Pencil me in for Tuesday, September 17th, when season four of A Love Food Podcast begins. And now, the PCOS and Food Peace Podcast. Take care.
3: Chapter 8 rose and Rosenbluth on Beauty, Body Positivity, and Changing Your Language. Hi, and
2: welcome to the PCOS and Food Peace Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon.
3: And I am Kimmy Singh. We're so glad that you're here with us. We put together this show with you in mind, and we hope that it provides the companionship that you're looking for as you navigate your PCOS journey.
2: Kimmy and I have worked to put this show together to shine a light on voices often not heard in PCOS circles. You will hear from people like Jess Baker, Ivy Felicia, Danny, Danny Adriana, Sophie carter and many others. Every interviewee was asked a series of questions about their PCOS journey. This episode features Shira Rosenbluth. She's a psychotherapist in New York City, and she specializes in working with people affected by eating disorders She also runs a really fun and colorful body positive fashion blog called A Sequin Love Affair. We will start today's episode, how we start every chapter of the PCOS and Food Peace podcast with a listener question. We gather these questions on Instagram through our Facebook community
3: or our email newsletter. Today's question comes from our Instagram page. You can find us on Instagram at Food Peace Dietitian, and my handle is Tasting Abundance. So on Instagram, um, the username is hello underscore Chris, underscore Christy. She asked us, "What are the benefits of myo inositol, and can you take it alongside metformin?" Ooh, this is a
2: really good question. And one of the reasons why I think it's so good is it's exciting. When I first started working with PCOS, metformin was pretty much the standard medication that was offered to people with PCOS to help with lowering insulin levels. Metformin is typically known to work with people with diabetes and it's an insulin sensitizer. So it just means it helps insulin to open the door to the cell to allow blood sugar to go in to give us energy. And and every cell in our body, just about, not every single one, but just about everyone needs insulin. And so metformin would typically help, but it has crazy intense side effects. Um, and it also depletes things like B12, which we need, and it uses our liver to metabolize it. So sometimes people didn't want to rely on it. And inositol is a secondary messenger. And I think there's up to nine of them at this point that they know about nine different types of inositols. And what people have found in research is there's two different types of inositols that are connected to PCOS. And this is the part that's super exciting to me, you know, when I geek out on nutrition research, which I know, Kimmy, you and I can do this all the time. This is part of (laughs) our... Every day, all day, every day. Well, yeah, you're definitely in it right now. (laughs) But (laughs) but, uh, the thing that's really exciting when we dig into the nutrition research and like the biochemistry that comes with nutrition is um, these two different types of inositols. One of them is myo-inositol that... um, Hello, underscore Christy was asking us about, and that myo inositol was the first one that I remember learning about, probably about ten years ago. And there was this product called Pregnitude that had myo inositol, and it had lots of research behind how it was helping with egg quality. Well, since then, the researchers that are the you know the probably what two or three that are researching PCOS. I'm Totally being sarcastic, but you know we need more research (laughs) on PCOS. There's not enough, but the few that are doing it, um, they found another one that's connected to PCOS. And what researchers are theorizing at this point is that. With people with PCOS, there's either a, a defect or a deficiency in the um, inositols, and specifically myo-inositol and d chiro inositol And these are again two different types of inositols. And when they were looking at this, they definitely connected myo-inositol, the one that this person's asking about, again with like egg quality, ovulation, it helps with lowering insulin, it also helps with lowering testosterone. But this other one, this d chiro inositol It is one that um, helps with the metabolic kind of consequences associated with PCOS. So it also helps lower insulin, but it it contributes to lower cholesterol and um, just all the other kind of metabolic stuff that we associate with PCOS. And if someone gets a ratio that's not ideal, um, then it can disrupt the egg quality. So um, if someone gets too much of this chiro versus the mayo, it can make things like infertility treatment really not favorable. So I, I am very like cautious on what type I recommend. And, um, so it's really important to make sure that we get the 40 to one ratio and that's the ratio that they have found to be, um, best suited of these two different types. So that's like a really long (laughs) answer, (laughs) but, um, you know, I think it's something that can be tricky, but it's so important. And, um, I know, I, I, again, I feel like it's kind of tricky, but it, it's important to kind of get all of that really understood because you don't want to buy the wrong
3: one, you know? Yeah. And I, if you like, if you didn't grasp all of that, or you kind of want it more broken down, you should re- check out a blog post I wrote about Inositol. I think I wrote it last summer. And um, yeah, it has some d- great details in there. I'd really recommend it, checking it out. And I've been taking Inositol, like the Ofositol brand, and I've had no issues. You might be wondering, how do you take it? What is this? Is it a pill? Is it a powder? And so it's pretty much a powder and you mix it into a liquid. It could be a hot or liquid. I've even heard of some people mixing it with their food. I haven't tried that yet, but, um, it's totally flavorless. I mean, like if you mix it with water, if you want to try to detect a flavor, you would have to concentrate really hard. It's really essentially flavorless and it just, it dissolves pretty quickly. You drink it up, um, twice a day, two scoops, twice a day, <laughs> two scoops, once in the morning, once in the evening, not two scoops twice a day. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then, um, yeah, it's great, great
2: stuff. I'm glad. And you know, it's really exciting to think about what this inositol supplementation can do. There's some people who think that maybe eventually it'll replace metformin, which is exciting because there's um it's kind of getting to the root of what is going on for people who are experiencing PCOS and it's instead of metformin kind of going from this other direction and just helping insulin to be more sensitive, and is doing that, but actually getting to more of the root of it. It doesn't cure it, but it's just kind of fixing one of the things that they're finding it has either a defect or a deficiency. And um, one thing I wanted to point out for someone listening who does want all the details and maybe even the references, because when you wrote that blog post on inositol, you did an amazing job getting down and dirty with the research and listing all the research. So if someone's really into that and I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but the, the address is juliedillonrd.com slash inositol. And you know, the, the, I feel like I need to say it again. Like the, the ratio is really important. Um Cause again, um, um you know, as many of you know, I, don't experience PCOS, but one of the things I have experienced in my lifetime is infertility. And you don't ever want to mess with someone who has maternal desire that is not met. And so if someone takes the wrong ratio, I really feel for someone going through fertility treatments and that delaying it. And so what I um, think is really important is to make sure when you're Picking out a Nositol supplement is make sure it has that ratio that's 40 to 1. And also to make sure you're getting a supplement that actually is third-party tested. And what that means is that when you're getting a supplement, since it's not regulated by anything, people can sell you whatever they want and just call it whatever they want. And that's fine and dandy. Um, That's lacking lots of integrity. But people can do that. And they do it often. And there's only one brand currently on the market that has um, the 41 ratio and has a third-party testing. And that is Avocetol, which of course is a sponsor of this podcast. And um, it's the only one right now. So, you know, as a dietitian, I usually give people two or three different types of names for supplements, yet um, Avocetol is the only one. So it's the one I recommend and I stand behind. And the other thing I wanted to mention is – this Instagram user was wondering if you can take inositol with metformin and you definitely can. Many people do always important to talk about it with your doctor or healthcare provider. It's always good to have that kind of check in with real life people. And, um, I would say make sure that, um, as you're checking in with them, check out a blog post that we wrote on Metformin because it can just further connect with you with that information. And you can get to that by going to juliedillonrd.com slash metformin. Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcasts. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back, my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a 3-in-1 capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's daily women's microbiome defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide
0: today. All right, let's get back to the show. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.
2: All right. Well, I hope that was um, helpful for you. Hello, underscore Christy, and anyone listening who's wondering about supplements to take with their PCOS. And we are going to hear from Shira Rosenbluth in just a moment. We're going to have a very brief commercial break, and I'm really excited for you to hear from Shira. Her experience, I think you're going to really connect with. But first, let's just pause for this break. This rebroadcast of the PCOS and Food Peace podcast is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace courses. If you're experiencing PCOS, I know at some point you were told you have to diet in order to promote health, like forever. So, what do you do when you've tried every diet and it hasn't worked? What do you do if you know diets don't work for most people? So, why would they work when you have PCOS? I have a course just for you. I have a 12-step system that I take people through who are wanting to move away from diets, heal the relationship with food, do intuitive eating work and promote health at the same time. Yeah, it's possible. If you want to look at all the details, go to pcosandfoodpeace.com and Keep in mind that I have a 25% off coupon that when you're in the checkout area, just put in the coupon code podcast and you'll get 25% off. So I look forward to seeing you within the course. And if you're a dietitian who helps people with PCOS, which so many people are affected by this condition. So I have a feeling if you're a dietitian, you are working with people with PCOS. And if you're a dietitian who is haze-informed or uses only non-diet approaches, if you don't, well, look into them because they're a really important part of the PCOS healing experience. And if you want some more tools to help those clients with PCOS, go to the course I designed just for you. It has 20 continue education units through CDR, and you can get to all the details at pcosandfoodpeace.com slash dietitians. This rebroadcast is also brought to you by Kimmy Singh's work at TastingAbundance.com. So Kimmy Singh, when she recorded this podcast with me, was finishing up her master's degree in nutrition and starting her dietetic internship, and she is all done. She is a dietitian now and seeing clients. If you would like to know more about her work, she does speaking nationally, and she also works with clients individually. If you'd like to know more about her work, go to TastingAbundance.com. Dot com. All right, enough of all that. Let's get back to the show. Kimmy and I are thrilled to share our interview with Jess Baker. She's a positive, progressive, and magnificently irreverent force to be reckoned with in the realm of self-love, advocacy, and mental health. She believes in the importance of body autonomy and hard conversations, strong coffee, and even stronger language. She does all of these in our interview, and we loved it. After creating satirical versions of Abercrombie & Fitch advertisements in 2013, she appeared on the Today Show and quickly became one of the leading voices in the current body image movement. That's why it was so important to include Jess Baker in the PCOS and Food Peace podcast. When not writing, Jess spends her time speaking around the world, working with plus-size clothing companies, organizing body liberation events, taking pictures in her underwear, and attempting to convince her cats that they like to wear bow ties. Learn more about Jess at TheMilitantBaker.com. The interview with Jess is coming up next following this brief commercial break. This PCOS and Food Peace podcast is being brought to you by Therologics, the makers of Avocetol, an inositol supplement with a blend of myo-inositol and de-chiro-inositol in the body's optimal ratio of 40 to one. Inositols are nutrients that help to decrease insulin resistance, promote menstrual regularity, restore ovulation, and balance hormone levels. In convenient powder form, Avocetol can be enjoyed in your favorite beverage or smoothie. Available in both a canister and convenient single-serving packets, Avocetol contains 100% pure inositols with no additives. It also is the only inositol supplement that I recommend to my clients with PCOS because it does have that very important 40 to 1 ratio and is third-party tested. Order online today at Theralogics.com. That's T H E R dot And during checkout, be sure to use my PRC code 127410. And you will get an exclusive PCOS and Food Peace podcast discount. Also, be sure to listen to the end of this episode where we will give you the opportunity to win a free 90-day supplies of Avocatal. So go to thorologics.com and use the PRC code 127410. Hi, Shira.
1: Hello. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. Tell me how you figured out you have PCOS.
1: Um, So I had already known and suspected that I had, well, I didn't know. I suspected that I had PCOS because uh, my dermatologist and my dietitian at the time both suggested that I might have um, PCOS. And so I finally went to an endocrinologist a couple years later and he gave me the diagnosis. So it kind of confirmed what I already suspected for a while. Um, so it didn't really come as as a surprise, but obviously I wasn't thrilled when I got the diagnosis. Of
2: course. And it took a couple years to figure it out. It took that long. so that sounds like a really long time being in the throes of like, what's going on with my body? What's happening?
1: Yeah. And maybe part of me was just nervous to get the diagnosis. So I postponed seeing somebody. Um, but I think, it, I think after I saw the dermatologist and twice and both times she said, you know, I think you might have PCOS, you know, why don't you go get checked out? I finally said, okay. And and went.
2: Yeah. You know, one mm-hmm. of the things that I um, hear a lot is that it's not usually the doctor who we would think to diagnose PCOS. Like, um, a lot of times people think it's going to be either an endocrinologist or it's going to be the OBGYN. And I'm hearing the dermatologist was a big part of it. And then also the dietitian, was there anything Mm -hmm. that they were like seeing that made them think this could be PCOS?
1: Yeah, I think with my dermatologist, she had seen the acne, the excess hair, and it was just like a combination of those kinds of things. And then with my dietitian, she kind of just saw the unexplained waking and um, just started having questions.
3: So, how was your relationship with healthcare professionals um, about with your PCOS treatment?
1: Um, so, to be honest, I have not seen a healthcare professional um, specifically who treats PCOS in the last three years because I've just found a lot of them to be just very fat phobic and very into just very focused on telling me to not eat starches and to watch my weight and all those kinds of things that are just not good for my brain to hear. Um, it doesn't mean that I've, you know, not seen any professionals. I still see a dietitian every so often. I still see um, my GP, but specifically someone that treats PCOS. I haven't found anyone that's um, health at every size focused, which is very important to me. Mm-hmm. So I would say that my relationship hasn't been great. And I wish I could find someone that's health at every size focused, but I haven't. And so I kind of just haven't been seeing anybody specifically for that for the last few years. Mm-hmm.
2: Gosh, that stinks because, you know, we, uh, Kimmy and I both agree on like having a health at every size practitioner is one of the most important things to find, especially with an MD, but there are so hard to find. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's really awesome that you were able to, you know, kind of just, Put that boundary down, you know, and say, you know what? They are not doing it in the way that I think is health promoting for me, and it's harmful for me. Um, but I, I wonder, like, are you getting adequate care then? You know, and what a horrible thing for um, medicine to be like pushing people out, you know, because they're not being so inclusive. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm like I said, just want to like have a rally call for physicians. Hey, get a like I stop know. just pushing weight loss because you're like pushing people away, you know?
1: I know. I wish they had better education. Um, and yeah, I, I listen, I, I got my ovacital suggestion, I think, from you. <laughs> the, the things that I do now are like things that I found on the internet, which I probably shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Google. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to lie. But I also, you know, I confirm it with my GP and my dietitian and things like that. So I'm not just on my own. But of course, I do wish I was... I don't feel like it's enough and I wish I could see a specific doctor that treats PCOS. But I'm just, like you said, I put up the boundaries because I'm not willing to do that. It's not good for my brain. It's not good for my, my mental health or my health to do that. So that's what I have to do right now.
3: Mm Yeah. And I like the internet has really helped us so much. Like, I can't imagine what it was like to have PCOS before we knew more and before we had support groups online. But it's tough because, you know, the internet can only do so much. So I
1: know. I mean, and thank God for your guys' group. It's like, I think the only group in the world that's <laughs> That's not focused on weight and weight loss. Thank God, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, you bring up the Facebook group and Kimmy and I, um, for any listeners who's like, what, what is that? But we have a (laughs) PCOS and food peace group on Facebook. And, um, you know, part of the group is that we... without a doubt, there's like no diet promotion, weight loss pursuit. And we really make sure that we try as hard as we can to make it safe for someone, especially people who are used to being marginalized because of their weight. So, uh, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. And, um, I'm wondering about kind of like turning the page a little bit. I'm wondering how PCOS has affected your relationship with food.
1: Um, So I had a pretty, I guess, tumultuous relationship with food for most of my life. And then my PCOS diagnosis, I guess, was the trigger to make things even worse, Um, especially after being told by the doctor to watch starches um, and to watch my weight. Um, I think I kind of took it pretty extreme and started becoming very phobic of carbs Um, I think to the point where I just, I couldn't live my life. I couldn't see friends. I was isolating a lot because I mean, when you go out with friends, you go out to eat and going out to eat was hard to do when you're not eating much. Um, And so it really affected my, just my life in so many ways. Um, I think my wake up call was literally passing out and waking up at the bottom of my stairs and realizing uh, this is a problem. This is not okay. Um, And so I think that was the first time where I realized that, you know, my body is not some special crazy thing that exists in the world. It doesn't need food, um, mm-hmm. you know, not mm-hmm. different. And so I think that was the wake of call. So I would say that PCOS affected my relationship with food in a pretty negative way at first,
3: for sure. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, you know, the thing that always um, surprises me is how much those diet recommendations expect people to be like robots, you know, like, um, maybe if someone was a robot, we could just program them to limit their carbohydrate to this, like whatever amount, whatever people are saying, mm-hmm. um, maybe it would do something, but like, we're not robots. Like we have right. relationships. And the thing I appreciate about being a, a dietitian that specializes in eating disorders. And I know you're a therapist too, share. Like it's, it's yeah. like, When you take out relationships and make people preoccupied with food, health is gone. Like, there's not a health there. Mm -hmm. Plus, you passed Mm -hmm. out. That's also not normal. (laughs)
1: none of that was health. How is is being that extreme health? And you know what, though? I was getting praised by everyone around me for my self-control and for my discipline and Mm. for... How, how great I looked and in reality I mean there was nothing positive about what I was doing but to the world I mean it was great and I think that even confirmed that what I was doing was okay because the world was congratulating me for it which made things even just so so much worse
3: yeah and it makes it so much harder when you're trying to step away from it mm-hmm, exactly because yeah. then
1: when then when you step away from it you're thinking well what is everyone thinking now now mm. that you know e- even though I knew that I was doing things that were just so much better for me and for my health and mental health for the rest of the world. I mean, they complimented me as I was going down. What are they thinking as my weight's going up or as, as I'm, you know, Mm. eating all kinds of foods again? Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. So, um, how has PCOS affected your relationship with your body? Um, the physical aspect, you mean like the, well, either way,
1: yeah, I mean, well, physically, mm. I you know, I had all the annoying things like I had the excess hair and I had the acne, and you know, spending my life um, getting laser and threading is always so fun, mm. <laughs> but um, <laughs> and, and expensive. Yeah, right. It's very expensive. Um, and then I definitely have, you know, my weight is mostly in my belly, which is very, very hard when, you know, what the, that's not what is considered, I guess, attractive by the rest of the world. So that's been really, really hard for me. And I still work on just accepting myself and just realizing no matter what, no matter how much weight I lost, I still had my belly. And so I could spend my entire life fighting the body that I have and just be miserable or just realize this is what I have. This is, this is my body. And I don't want to spend my life fighting it anymore.
3: Yeah, no, I can really relate to that. And it's like it's it almost feels like a place of calm and peace and acceptance when you get to that place. If that makes sense. Yeah,
1: because you're you're not you're not fighting anymore. You just it's I, I, at some point when does I, just I mean, yeah, like I said how 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 long can I spend my life just fighting the body that I have? This this is this is it, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and something that um I don't know. I'm just thinking about a listener right now who's like just resigned to the fact that they're going to have to fight their body forever. And Mm -hmm. um, was there anything that, I don't know, anything that kind of floated through your brain or anything someone said or anything that happened where you were like, you know, I don't want to fight my body anymore.
1: Um, I think listening to the Beauty Redefined, um, they had a podcast and it really helped me just kind of see things in different perspective of realizing that I don't need to get to a place where I love my body and I'm obsessed with my body and obsessed with the way I look. It's not, that's not my goal. My goal is just to see my body as something that is, it's just my body and I'm more than my body. This is not who I am. And so I think realizing that I don't need to come to a body, a place of body love, but just Mm -hmm. just being at peace with myself and realizing that this is not who I am has been really, really important to me and my, I guess my body positive journey.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes body positivity can almost feel like you're running in the opposite direction where you're almost trying to force yourself to feel like everything is great. Everything is beautiful. But like, you know, um, I think when you're st- trying to step away from that, you're kind of accepting that your body has many functions and beauty is only one part of your existence. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I definitely, the, the, it seems like the body positive movement has kind of turned this focus on I don't know, putting on a bikini and showing their, <laughs> showing their little role and, you know, and you could only be a certain size or under to be, to have like the right kind of role or the right kind of fat. And I don't know, it's been a really weird, I don't know, evolution of body positivity, but that's really not what it's about. Obviously, as we know, it's mm-hmm. so much more about just the world being a safe place for bodies and disabilities and all kinds of things um, without stigma, without oppression. And that's kind of been lost, you know, in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
3: On that note, how do you see PCOS and other chronic conditions affecting the way everybody has access to body positivity as a whole? Um, I think
1: that for so long, I just try to, you know, embrace and love my body and just couldn't seem to get there. Um, and the body positive movement, it seems like what I said before, that it's become about women and mostly average and, you know, in quotes, acceptable bodies sharing their perceived flaws with the world or they're posing in bikinis with a stomach roll, discussing the courage it took for them to do that. And it totally misses the point, which is that body positivity exists in the first place for actually marginalized people who actually suffer from real discrimination. And I think for me that remembering the body positivity movement is so much bigger than whether or not I feel beautiful has been really important. Um, and, you know, my body has a lot of privileges. I'm white. I'm still, even when I was larger, I was still, you know, a small fat in quotes. Um, And so I still, I can go on a plane without being discriminated against. I can go to the doctor and get actual treatment as opposed to them telling me I need to lose weight. So just realizing what the body positive movement is really about has been important. And then immersing myself in that movement has been so healing. Mm -hmm.
2: I'm so glad you brought this up because I think it's a really important part of anyone experiencing PCOS and not feeling like weird about their own place in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, something that Kimmy and I were just talking about, we had a, um, posti- k- uh, excuse me, Kimmy hosted a, a book club on land whale, Jess Baker's book. And she's also, Oh yeah.
1: I saw that on uh, social media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's also,
2: um, interviewed in the series. And one of the things we talked about was just this point, you know, Kimmy was, um, bringing up how like body positivity started out as, more of about people being treated unfairly. And it was about people being marginalized. And then somehow it became a part of like white women wellness type of, and, um, yeah. you know, and so it's not really, it almost like has lost its meaning in my mind in a sense. And um, I know a lot of people are talking about like body liberation instead. And um, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know, sometimes I'm like maybe we can figure out a way to reclaim body positivity. But yeah, like it's, it's gonna be different depending on where how much power a person has, how easy it's gonna be. Because I, exactly. I, I, I kind of consider the same thing with myself, like I don't experience PCOS, and
1: I've always been at a lower weight, and it's gonna be easier for me to like, not wear makeup you know, things like that. Even if every single time I post on social media and share a health at every size message, I always think to myself, if I was posting this, you know, in a different kind of body, I would mm-hmm. not get the positive response I get now, which just makes me sad. And it just makes me, yeah, it just it's just unfortunate.
2: Yeah, yeah. totally, totally unfortunate. And Thanks. I, you know, something I think about, too, is like, how can as people in smaller bodies, how can we use that then to like elevate other people and, um, make sure that other voices are heard.
1: So yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a really weird ride for me just because you know I lost weight in the public eye recently from some medical issues and mm-hmm. so even seeing the response uh, or just seeing the the attitude of how people are treating me now versus how they treated me back in December when I was mm-hmm. you know larger has also been very eye opening for me so yeah like yeah, you know it's just it's been very strange losing weight in the public eye and then you know Nothing it's it's not it's never good enough because then people are saying, Did you go on a diet? What did you do? And it's like, no, yeah, it's just where my body is right now, you know. Right. Yeah. What was Uh, that like for you? Oh my gosh, it's been it's been really, really hard. I leaned a lot on my colleagues for just support and how to deal with it. And I'm I'm so thankful that I am in the Health at Every Size community, and so I was able to get the support from them because it's been such a weird experience. And then, you know, there's so much more focus on my body, and it's not Yes, I have. I guess I do have, you know, a fashion blog, but it's it's mm-hmm. more than a fashion blog. I do focus so much like, like you guys know on just so much more than that. But, you know, mm-hmm. my weight was kind of the topic of discussion for months and it was
3: very it was uncomfortable. Wow, that would be that would be so hard. Yeah. And I think what's great about your fashion blog is um, it almost feels like you're changing what it means to do fashion in the public eye by including this stuff in your message. And so I hate that it's kind of turning this way where when your body's changing, people feel like they can make these comments or, you know, using that as a start of negative conversation.
1: Yes. Thank you.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So Shira, what do you wish like other medical professionals around the world? What do you wish they knew about PCOS?
1: I guess I wish they knew, I wish they knew how to treat people with PCOS. And so, I mean, I think, I think you mentioned Julie once that people with PCOS um, have higher rates of disordered eating and eating disorders. So especially knowing that they should not be giving advice to cut out food groups. That's so toxic and so (laughs) dangerous. Um, And so I just wish that they were just more educated on health at every size, more educated about intuitive eating and, I think that would go such a long way in giving good treatment to people with PCOS. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I, I, I kind of have been gathering too over the last 20 years doing this work that um, even if doctors are kind of guarded about eating disorders, knowing how serious they are, they don't really get that like a diet recommendation could lead to one. Exactly, or it's worth the risk. I think it's basically the the thought, like, well, maybe it happens rarely, rarely, but it's worth the risk. You know,
1: Mm -hmm. that breaks my heart. That's yeah, it is. It's
2: very, very sad. Totally.
3: So, what is the best and the worst PCOS advice that you were given?
1: Um, the worst, like I said, was being told to cut out starches. We knew where that took me in my life. (laughs) Flat on the floor, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And I think the best was my dietitian that I actually have right now that I've been seeing for a while. Um, I don't see her, you know as often as I used to, but just being told that my body is okay. My body will work. My body deserves all kinds of food. I mean, that was just messages that my brain needed to hear and just so helpful for me. Um, and that it's just not the death sentence that I thought it would be. It's Mm. I'm, I'm okay. Nothing. The world doesn't stop when I eat ice cream or when I eat all kinds of foods and I'm okay. Yeah.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hate how food has become that, like, it's either going to kill us or cure us. You know, it's, it sucks that it's like that sometimes. (laughs) Well, and you know, something
1: that you've uh, shared with us oh, is that, oh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I want to hear what you have I to say. I was going to say, guess what? You know, I lost all this weight and here I am and I still have PCOS. <laughs> <shopping>. <laughs> surprise, it's surprise, not a cure. Right? Oh my goodness.
2: Yeah. I. That's one of the things that just drives me bonkers because I'm like, yeah, there's people at every size with PCOS. So obviously weight didn't <laughs> cause it. <laughs> no,
1: right. And it didn't cure it either. No,
2: no, no. Totally. Yeah. And you know, something that you've been um, so grateful, I'm grateful that you've been able to share your experiences with how you've been able to um, get help from colleagues. And as a therapist, I'm a I'm feeling that you have lots of tools that you've shared with clients or with yourself, but like what in particular have you used to help with just navigating your mental and physical wellness with PCOS?
1: So at the risk of sounding cliche, this the thing that has helped me the most is learning just how to change the language I use for myself. Um, mm. Just with being so much more self-compassionate and just being so much more kind to myself, I didn't even realize the messages I'd give to myself almost 24-7 on a regular basis. They were so, hard, so harsh and so mean and just so really relearning how to talk to myself and treat myself was the best thing I could do for myself.
3: Mm-hmm. So what have you learned about PCOS that surprised you?
1: Um, I think I was surprised to learn that it's, it's, it doesn't just look like one body or one body type it, people can look like PCOS in so many ways. Um, and then I have to say again, what I said before, which was that my body can handle starches and can handle eating mm. all kinds of foods and nothing's going to happen. The world's not going to end. And, you know, my body's a lot more resilient than I give it credit for. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it is. It, it is. is totally. Um, you could actually like live and go out to dinner and have <laughs> yes. relationships and not be I'll passed pass. out.
1: <laughs> so life, is, life is so, that's another thing to add to my navigating mental and physical wellness was definitely working on my relationships. And, you know, I, like I said before, when I, you know, cut out carbs and was being very extreme with my dieting, that comes along with isolation. So, really yeah. reconnecting with people was so important and, and helpful as well.
2: Mm. What would you tell yourself? Like, what do you wish you could go back and tell yourself after receiving the diagnosis?
1: I think I just wish I would have, I, I wish I could have t- told myself, like, like I said before, just to treat myself. I wish I would have just treated myself with so much more compassion than I had. And just, I wish I would have known that, like I said, that it's not the death sentence I thought it was. I'm okay. And that, yeah, that I'm okay. It's, it's, I'm, I'm Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. I think so many
2: people do get paralyzed by it. And it's because of the fear tactics being the only thing that health providers seem to throw out there as like ways to intervene. And, you know, self-compassion is something that like, I'm, this is like the dietitian nerdy side of me, but I'm like, self-compassion <laughs> has been established in the research to be evidence-based for mental health. <laughs> like it's not, yeah. it's not giving <laughs> up for anything. Yeah, it's actually right. something that is yeah. like an option. And
1: I wish I would have found some, I wish I would have known, you know, about you and about other non-dietites. Non non diet dieticians back mm-hmm. in the day because I think that would have helped me so much and just reframing the way I viewed food and the way I viewed my body so that was also something that would, be, would have been wonderful.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. we appreciate you telling us your experiences because I think um, just you know learning from what you experience is something that's going to be really helpful some, for someone else. Like again, I think so many people think, well, I just I'm going to have to fight my body forever now and I'm just going to always have to like be hungry and. Oh no. What you're saying is like, no, no, no. Like you don't have to like hit your head against the wall forever and think it's all your fault. Like there is another option and you may actually like be able to eat food and enjoy your food again, you know? Um, so again, we really appreciate your time and your expertise. Is there a way for someone to find out more about your work? If someone is interested in your blog or your practice, is there a good way for them to get a hold of you?
1: Sure, of course. So I work for Dr. Connison. She has a website, drconnison.com, and um, my bio is there, her bio is there. Um, we obviously work from a health at every size and inclusive approach, of course. Um, and then I have a blog, which is acequenloveaffair.com, and my Instagram is acequenloveaffair, where you can find all the body positive and fun fashion things there. Great. Awesome. Well,
2: I'll put all of those in the show notes. So it'll be really easy for anyone to find them. Thank, Vera, you. thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to talk to you and to get to know you more. And um, we really appreciate it.
1: Same here. Thanks so much. Thanks.
2: I hope you enjoyed this rebroadcast of the PCOS and Food Peace podcast. It was created by Julie Duffy Dillon and Kimmy Singh. Audio engineer is Toby Lyles from 24 Sound. Show art by Katie Sanders from Pop and Gray. Music by Tiny Music and titled Super Pop. We are grateful that you listened to our show. And if you'd like more information about Julie's work, go to juliedillonrd.com. And Kimmy's work, go to tastingabundance.com. Thank you for listening to the show. And we hope it gave you more opportunities to experience food peace.